So this is uh, the Uposatha, the new moon. It's also the, in Thailand, the Songkran, day of Songkran, the new year. Which really makes more sense than our new year, because it's springtime, everything is coming alive. flowers blooming and so forth. And so uh, this happens every year, the same old thing, the same routine. <coughs> Changing of the seasons, Songkran, and then on and on to summer, autumn, winter, year after year, the human lifetime is uh, this experience of this inexorable changingness. I contemplate uh, like the Buddha's emphasis on change, on the nicca, and then uh, then what we really perceive. You know how we're conditioned to perceive ourselves in the world that we live in tends to be kind of like we see ourselves as the same person as a kind of constant person or soul from you know from birth to death <clears throat> or we you know we we see things through perceptions through uh, conceptions that we like and don't like, prejudices, biases, fixed views, opinions. And so in, uh, like in Vipassana, our insight meditation is to change from, to put, to actually put that into a different perspective of the thinking mind, the sensory world, the, what we perceive, what we conceive, uh, what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, feel, all that is the common factor, the common characteristic is anicca, impermanence, and anatta, not self, and dukkha. Its very nature is change and not has no permanent quality of right, wrong, good, or bad. So this, uh, of course, we, you know, we, we're kind of victims of our conditioning, our cultural conditioning, our egos, sense of our self, uh, our feelings, and so forth, our memories. So that's why uh, the attitude of vipassana is, is no longer judging or trying to get something or get rid of something, but observing. being the observer rather than than a person that's trying to become or get something you don't have or get rid of something you have that you don't want. So this is a, this is a lifetime practice. It's not something you can achieve just through 10-day meditation retreat or something like that. One can have insights into this, flashes of reality uh, that most of you have had, but then the the grinding daily inexorable routine of spring, 
summer, autumn, and winter. The uh, getting up in the morning, going to bed at night, the putting your robes on, taking them off, uh, eating and sleeping and so forth. This is, this is the human lifetime that we have to bear with this, these uh, routine, banal human activities. But at the same time, the Samana life, is, its, its aim is to, is to observe, be the knower rather than become somebody, a person or an enlightened being or a Buddha or anything like this. Whatever you conceive of or think, anything you'd like to get or become or anything you'd like to get rid of, But the knowing is not about becoming or getting rid of or anything but observing, getting to recognize, to to have this sense of knowing on a deeper level and just thinking you know things because you have ideas, views, opinions. <clears throat> so the Buddha, you know, saying the, the Dhamma, apparent here and now, timeless, and Encouraging investigation leading inwards to be experienced individually through wisdom. <clears throat> so when we Santiti Kodama apparent here now, right now, this very moment, the way it is. Now we can you know, you might Congratulate yourself on having uh, an understanding of this concept, but in itself it isn't just another word, poly word or an English translation, or what does it do? do you, does, it, does it remind you to be this awakenness now? Or do you still think you have to practice in order to become more awakened than you are at this moment? Or do you think you're already so awake, you, de- you know, that you're, you're an advanced meditator? <clears throat> well, this is like investigating and observing, apparent here and now, Santiti Kodama. So what's happening right now? There's consciousness, there's the body sitting, Body sitting and there's consciousness. This is apparent here and now, isn't it? Our bodies at this moment are like this. Consciousness. So just by <clears throat> reflecting on these two objects, you, know, you can observe being the, being a conscious Consciousness is not something, it's not an object like the body, but it's recognized. Consciousness is like this. And then we can observe, it's through consciousness that we can observe the body as it is. It's like this, sitting postures like this. Feeling, thinking, Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching is like this. And then of course the three characteristics, anicca, dukkanata, are reminders of impermanence. That dukkha means in this case it's, it's, uh, it's, it has no permanent quality, no refuge, no satisfactoriness. It, and the best it can do is be maybe momentarily satisfied, but not permanently. Condition phenomena, the physical body, <clears throat> these are these can never be satisfactory refuges. <clears throat> and then we're born into this realm, sensitive realm of uh, meaning that we have to feel everything all the time. 
in this, uh, you know, relentless state of changing conditions we have very little control over and it fear and it's uh, about feelings uh, it's, it's a sensitive realm the physical body the eyes ears nose tongue everything this is the experience of total sensitivity in a sensitive form that's apparent here and now So this is a reflection, it's not to, to, you know, you might understand what I'm saying conceptually, but what I'm pointing to is not just to grasp or argue about the terms, the limitation of the words and, and interpretations, but it's an actual trying to encourage you to awaken, to be the knowing rather than somebody who's trying to figure out what Ajahn Sumedho's teaching or whether you agree with me or don't agree with me or whatever. The biggest obstruction we all have, isn't it, is uh, is this... Uh, we're so convinced we are somebody that has to get something or get rid of something. You know, so that these are the, this, these are the illusions that we live with and oftentimes ordain with, become summonized with this idea of getting or getting rid of, becoming. <clears throat> getting rid of our weaknesses, faults, and becoming uh, a stream enterer or an arahant or becoming an enlightened being. Where what the Buddha is saying is it's not about becoming or getting rid of anything. It's not about annihilation or creation, but awakening, observing. So this is, uh, you know, this is quite it's very simple. It's just a matter of paying attention in the present moment. To whatever, you know, whatever is, is happening, you know, whatever you're feeling, thinking, experiencing at this moment is Santitiko Dhamma, apparent here and now. All conditions are impermanent. So whatever emotion, uh, you're having at this time whatever feeling, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. You're not, you're, because of consciousness, you can observe it. You can recognize it. It is what it is at this time. Thoughts, feelings, sensations are like this. So this is, this is like ultimate simplicity. It's so simple that it's, it's difficult. Because we're not used to simplicity, we're used to complexity. Like the ego is a complex thing, isn't it? The sense of myself, my individuality, that is a very, it gets increasingly more complicated the more I try to think about myself as a person about my past, about my position, my memories, my habits, my faults, and so forth. It gets the, into endless complications. So, in, you may see in Sangha life, the complications arise through this, this uh, through the ego, through the sense of a self, through ignorance, attachment, through uh, identity, through, ha through the force of habit. And yet the, the aim of the life is towards ultimate simplicity, awakened consciousness. Consciousness awakened with wisdom. Discernment. So that the, the the gift we have as a human 
to human birth is that we we can actually awaken to ultimate reality within the conditions that we have to live with. The human bodies we have and the karma that we have, you know, the way, you know, the conditioning that we've acquired in our lifetime, whatever it might be, through the sensitivity of this form and this realm that we're experiencing. So, in, see that the, you know, the practice is, uh, is bariati, bati, 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 These are the Pali terms. Bariati is the teaching, so we have the bariati dhamma, the Pali, the suttas, the four noble truths, the penitent origination, the ten fetters, the four stages, the Indriyas, the Abhidhamma, the whole lot is Bariyati Dhamma. So it's a, it's a formal teaching, you know, in language, from the Pali, Pali language, <coughs> ancient Indian language that's translated into English. So that is, uh, that's, that's one level, is, is the Bariyati Dhamma, then Bhati Bhati is the practice. Practice and insight. Bhati Wait is insight into, is the result of the practice. So apparent here and now, Sandidiko Dhamma is the simple reality, imminent ability of paying attention here, now. And uh, discerning the difference between the conditions you're experiencing through observing their changing qualities, their impermanence, and that which is observing. You can discern the difference between observing and the observed. Because like consciousness is not something that you create out of ignorance. Consciousness is here and now. It's not personal, it's not about me or you or has no, nobody owns it. It has no quality or quantity. But it's certainly recognizable, isn't it? Because we're all experiencing consciousness at this very moment, whether you realize it or not. So it's here and now, Dhamma, it's Santitiko Dhamma, consciousness. And why can you observe the body at this moment as an object? Why, when you're reflecting on just the iriyabhata of sitting, the body sitting on the mat is like this. Which is pure observation of that which is here and now, the body is here and now, but you're not the body, are you? you? There's an observing of the body. The body's not observing itself. Your body's not observing itself, but consciousness with awareness, discernment is observing, recognizing the body is like this. <clears throat> So just like these four area boat uh, practices where sitting, standing, walking, lying down, these are, this is Bariyati Dhamma, what I'm saying, the teaching, the four postures. Then the Bhati Bhata is to put it into practice. Apparent here now the body's like this. You know, it isn't about being able to, to say, four postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, it's observing. Right now the body is like this, sitting is like this. And as consciousness, if you're unconscious then you wouldn't be able to do this. 
you know, if you're dead, you can't, you know, then um, it's hopeless to try to get a body, dead body, to observe itself, because it can't. But that which is observing the body is consciousness, pure consciousness. That which is, uh, recognizes thinking, feeling, pleasure, pain, happiness, suffering, elation, depression, wisdom, consciousness, apparent here and now, observing that whatever you're feeling, experiencing through the eyes, through the the sound, through the ears, odors through the nose, taste through the tongue, feelings of heat and cold, pleasure and pain through the body, the emotional habits you've acquired of elation or depression or happiness, suffering, there's the knowing, that's consciousness. Consciousness is knowing with wisdom, discerning. It's not knowing about, it's not Bariatidam anymore, it's the reality of knowing is like this, knowing impermanence. All conditions are impermanent. through investigation, through observing, through bhati-bhata, and then bhati-wait. Bhati-wait is the results. So that is, that's this sense of insight, knowing, that isn't <clears throat> through memorizing the Pali Canon, but through, uh, through the practice, bhati-bhata, and then the result is bhati-wait, which is wisdom. Insight, knowledge, jnana dasana. It's not knowing about Bharati Dhamma anymore, but it's, it's a deeper level of knowing. It's insightful knowing. It's not personal uh, talents or abilities to to figure things out. It's through bhatibhata, through practice through the practice that's recommended by the Buddha in the Four Noble Truths that we have the bhati weight or the result of practice. So these these three terms, bariyati, bhati, 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 weighty, are, you know, this, they, they sound maybe a bit complicated, but it just means the bariyati is not to be despised, to be... You know, with it we have, we're, we, we get the, the encouragement, the direction, the inspiration. <clears throat> but it's not enough, just bariyati, we need to put, practice it, put it into practice. The Buddha did, isn't a theoretician. He didn't teach some kind of philosophical, high-minded philosophy. He was pointing to the reality of now, to the way things are. <clears throat> so this is where this sense of awakenness, paying attention. And it, then of course, the personal tendencies we have, the ignorance that binds us to suffering is seen through. We can be liberate, liberate ourselves from the tediousness, the, the slavery of birth and death, through awareness. <clears throat> so it's bhanjatang, we teed up all we knew until you have to be experienced individually. You know, that's each one of us has to, you know, we can't enlighten each other, but we can know this in a direct way. So this is a, this is an, a teaching that empowers the individuals not to create more sense of separateness, self and ego and identity, but to keep reminding us that whatever we think and feel and identify with and are attached to is 
not-self is anatta, it's anicca dukkanatta. So the, even the thinking process, remember, you have to really get beyond your thinking. So the teaching of Pyrrho, the Roman philosopher, by suspending judgment. By suspending, what is that? To suspend judgment. It means you, you can't think about it anymore. You have to give up figuring things out and thinking. It's not about judging. Judging is, a, is, a, is what thinking does. We judge things, this is good, bad, right, wrong. By suspending judgment, by observing phenomena or objects as they appear, so it's giving up thinking, no longer trying to analyze, figure it out, decide whether it's true or false, right or wrong. That's mindfulness. By suspending judgment, by observing phenomena or objects as they appear, like your mental states, your emotions, sensory perceptions, And by asserting nothing definite as how they really are. So, so it's not about, you know, you're not, you're no longer asserting anything, uh, defining them, analyzing them, judging them in any way. So through this one can escape the perplexities of life and attain a an imperturbable peace of mind. <clears throat> now this is uh, imperturbable peace of mind is what? Consciousness, isn't it? It's not about going into a trance, becoming unconscious. Here and now, Santitiko Dhamma, timeless, Akalika, getting beyond time, Ehipasiko, leading inwards or encouraging investigation, leading inwards to be experienced individually. Well, that, that's complicated, isn't it? All that, what I've been talking about. <laughs> so, when Banyatang and to be to be known individually, it's like this. This is certain. This is this is reality. This is Dhamma. But it's not anything or anybody at all. So you know, when trying to figure that out, is impossible because the thinking mind always deals with you know with with dualism. It's either right or wrong, good or bad, heaven or hell something or nothing. So when we, we talk about non-self or anatta, it's not about an annihilation of self. It's not a denial or a rejection of self. But it's a recognition of dhamma, of reality in which uh, that is recognized, but it's non-self, it's not, it has no sense of being mine. So this is where we, we get beyond the thinking process, transcending the, the thinking, the, the uh, critical mind, the judging mind, the greedy mind, the angry mind, the confused, worried, anxious, frightened mind, the conditions that we all experience within these forms, these karmic forms. Because this realm, being a sensitive realm that we're experiencing is, you know, it's all about love and hate and like and dislike and 
fear and worry, anxiety. And that this realm, you know, the planet itself, and these forms, the physical bodies with their senses, it's also, you know, changing and, and unstable, uncertain, insecure. <clears throat> So we, you know, we have peace conferences and the world now is, you know, with all the, the wars and quarrels and fights and problems, are, 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 you know, all over the world at this time. The, the, the protests in Bangkok and Middle East and Iraq and on and on like this. Israel, Palestine. Everywhere there's, there's, uh, you know, fear and suspicion, paranoia, blame. And then there's a desire for peace. But, you know, most people really don't want peace. Because peace is boring. It's not exciting at all. Not even interesting. Except we want it when things get difficult. But when, you know, when the thinking uh, self-view, the ego, is not a peaceful, you can't have a peaceful ego. You can't find peace through be, becoming somebody. <clears throat> so you can't find uh, real happiness either through just trying to organize and control the conditions uh, that we experience. Because these conditions are changing, and the, you know, they're beyond our control. The best we can do on that level of ignorance is live in a kind of bubble of false security. You know, like, so tell me everything is alright, and everything is alright, and then we, we might feel a little sense of relief. Everything's okay. Everything's okay, and then we feel maybe a sense of temporary relief, but then we also recognize the possibility that everything's okay is not permanent. So there's worry, anxiety about the future. The past is always regrets that we have, you know, or resentments about things that have happened, guilt, remorse, regret about things that we've said or done in the past, resentments that we carry with us through our lives about injustice, unfairness and so forth that we've experienced. But apparent here and now then is, is our no longer operating in that way from the ego but from the refuge of Buddha Dhamma Sangha of Awakened consciousness observing Dhamma. Buddha knows reality. So refuge in the Buddha is knowing our ability, not personal ability, not about me as a person. It's the human ability that we all have to pay attention to life and observe. The, and no reality, no Dhamma, apparent here and now, akaliko, timeless, ehipasiko, opanayiko, bhajatang, vaitidapo, vinuhi. Now this takes a constant reminder because with the, the problems, personal problems, worldly problems, communal problems are endless. They, you know, they they might get better and then get worse. It's just the the incessant, inexorable changingness of conditioned phenomena that we we have to, you know, be the knower of rather than trying to organize it and make it into something we want or. 
or get rid of this or whatever, you know, because then we're back into that realm again of a person trying to get something, get rid of something. You know, so like today is the Uposita, the observance day, so we, we like we did our recit, Patimoka recitations, uh, reminding ourselves of our commitment to say the, the structure, the convention that we were using. But it's not meant to be kind of personal. It's about, as a, Expedient means, like monastic, monasticism, an expedient means for observing. So, if, if monasticism reinforces a sense of a self, then uh, you're, you know, you're not using it for what it's meant to be used for, not meant for identity. It's merely a skillful means, an expedient means, uh, that limits action and speech, you know, greed ways of living in which we, you know, we, we no longer just follow our impulses or habits or inclinations or cultural tendencies or whatever, but we, we have restraint, we have moral agreements, ways of, you know, living with each other that are agreed upon. But the point of it is, is to be, is for reflecting. So this is, uh, you know, it's that we have to bear with the conventional world, you know, with the physical bodies we have, whatever state they might be in, you know, whether they're healthy or sickly or young or old, male or female, whatever. It's not a matter of trying to, you know, of, of trying to get something or change it, but to be the observer of it. That which is conscious with wisdom, discerning, all conditions are impermanent, that knows, discerns, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Therefore, there is the escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. This is discerning. It's not just memorizing poly words or <clears throat> translations. But what is, you know, if, if Dhamma is apparent here now, the unconditioned, unborn, uncreated, unformed, what is that right now? You know, like you can't see it or smell it, hear it, taste it, touch it, but you can recognize. Because consciousness is, is it. It's a, there's consciousness. Then there's the body sitting here, it's like this. So it's like reminding ourselves that like the postures, you know, whatever we're doing, whether we're here in the temple or washing di uh, the dishes in the kitchen or in our rooms or whatever, the body is either sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. <laughs> and knowing it's like this. So this is a way of, you know, of training yourself to, to use the body, not as some kind of you know, not to ignore it, dismiss it, deny it, reject it, or, you know, uh, cling to it, but use it. Because you have to live with it till it, till you die, till your body dies. In whatever state it's in, you know, whatever conditions it might be experiencing is like this. Then, then because of the nature of this realm, this is a fear realm that we're experiencing. You know, fear is a kind of primal emotion that we are born with. You know, it's the, the nature of this realm. It's about survival. 
isn't it? It's all about survival in a realm that is changing, where we have to eat and survive. We have to kill things and eat things, and we have to protect ourselves from from animals or others who want to harm us. There's natural catastrophes we have to bear with, with earthquakes and typhoons and tsunamis and hurricanes and and droughts and floods and on and on like this. The whole history of humanity, planet Earth, is is this kind of volcanic, moving, fiery ball that we have to live on. That is unpredictable, that we can't, you know, make it into what we want. <clears throat> and the same with your own physical body, you know, whatever it, you know, age it is or state of health, it's, it's not that these aren't the problems. They're not trying to, you don't have to have perfect health, the perfect body, but awaken to the Dhamma of Santidiko Dhamma, parent here and now, is like this. <clears throat> so trying to f- find peace in the in relentless, inexorable changingness of conditioned phenomena is in a don't look for it there. You know, even we have moment momentary peacefulness maybe where things are okay, but they don't stay that way. They can't. And it's nobody's fault, it's just the way it is. It's the karma of this realm, this strange experience that we all have to live through on this planet in these human forms. And yet, the message of the Buddha is to learn from it, awaken, observe, know, and free ourselves from ignorance, from attachment from identity, from the limitation that is, uh, you know, the limitation is all about conditioned phenomena. Conditioned phenomena is always about limitation. So, you know, if you identify with your body, then you're pretty limited, aren't you? You know, you're kind of stuck in a, in a form that ages and it gets sick and get pain, arthritis, rheumatism, cancer, Parkinson's disease, tuberculosis, cholera, flu, measles, chickenpox. I remember, you know, as a child having chickenpox, having measles. Innocent child, still innocent, having to suffer these miserable diseases. <clears throat> and then, uh, of course, uh, conditions change. Karma, you know, being born, living in this, in this place, this island, this British island here, is like this. The weather's like this. The, the karma of this place is like this, you know, so it has, it's relationships with, you know, through past experience, through identity. But the knowing is not, is not limited or bound to being British or this island or this planet or this body. So it's, but we have to, but we, but we don't become enlightened through becoming like God, you know, who knows everything about everything. But by humility, by willing to learn through the humbling simplicity of these forms we have to live with in whatever way they change, whatever happens, the situations we're in. They're not grand. They're not magnificent, fantastic. It's all about getting old, isn't it? Old age, sickness, death, loss, loss of loved ones, grief and, and despair is a, is a human predicament. That this, 
this experience of being a human individual is all about experiencing loss. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. It's about karma. You know, we're born. Why do we have to be the way we are? Why aren't you all like me? Why don't you think and act and ha- and feel about things just like I do? Why do you why do you think differently? Because of karma, isn't it? We have our individual karmas to bear with, which can be, you know, good, bad, right, wrong. You know, it's not a matter of that we only have good karma or bad karma. But whatever it is, you know, whatever moods, tendencies, obsessions <clears throat> that you might find yourself with, various uh, strange habits, antisocial habits, tendencies, whatever, you know, it's karma. And we we observe this that that this, uh, I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma. We have to bear with the way it is, the way we are, the uh, way we react, the way we feel as individual uh, beings. <clears throat> but our refuge is in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, not in our personal karma and feelings, but being the knower. All conditions are impermanent. So it always gets back to all conditions are impermanent. All Dhamma is not self. Sape Sankarani Cha, Sape Dhamma Anatta. So Dhamma is not personal. It's not my Dhamma and your Dhamma anymore. We, we might have our individual, my karma and your karma. So my karma, you know, is we have share common karma, being born, getting old, and dying. That's the human karma that we all share as human beings. But then individually, we all have our idiosyncratic, peculiar karmas to deal with. <coughs> But the observer is anatta. It's not because you have good karma or anything like that. And start congratulating yourself on your good karma. Beware. That's another delusion. <clears throat> so, so be the knower rather than somebody who has good karma or bad karma. So this takes a continuous kind of reflectiveness apparent here and now, timeless. Ehipashikoi, encouraging investigation, which means, wake up, see. Right now, don't don't put it off till the next retreat. You don't wait for the next meditation. It's about ehipashikoi, come and see for yourself, right now, whatever state you're in, whatever you're doing. It's a, the reminders, the ehipasiko, opanayako, leading inwards. Or it can be leading onwards. You just, you know, you're, you're not, uh, even inwards. None of these words really are exact. Language is not precise when it comes to Dhamma. It's merely expedient. <coughs> But you say Opanayaka Dhamma because usually we're, you know, the ignorant human being is always outward going, looking everything is out there. God is out there. The future, you know, getting somewhere in my practice is about, you know, doing something now to get some desired result in the future. It's all about, you know, going outward and going to India or going to some other place where, you know, that we think is better than the one we have. Or inward is, um, I found more skill, more helpful to me anyway, personally, to, 
to look inward at myself rather than going upward. Like when I went to stay uh, at Wat Pong, Lung Pong Cha. You know, his, his uh, genius was to get me to look inward because I tended to always look outwards. Because, you know, you're adjusting, you're living, uh, uh, you know, in a disciplined way with bin, very strict vinaya and, and very regulated uh, regime of rising at three in the morning and meeting and bindabata and doing this, doing that. Everything done together, you know, and then, of course, you know, you have reactions to this. To, to living in, in a hot climate with mosquitoes, to strange food and outward going, you know, judging, liking or disliking, approving or disapproving. <clears throat> or looking inward. I found that more helpful, like looking, like the Lung Pachad's watch your mind, do jit, observe what's going on, you know, the, the reactions that you're having towards the the life that you're living, the way things happen and operate in that particular place, and then the way my emotions might react to it are like this. Then, uh, then Ajahn Chah is always saying, Bajitang. Then in Thai, then he'd say, like you take the word in, into the Thai language, say, Ben Bajitang. It's like he's always telling the people, it's something you have to realize for yourself. Dhamma, enlightenment, seeing is Ben Bajitang. It's, you have to see this for yourself. So this, uh, this, uh, chanting every morning, evening, Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipasko, Upanaiko, Bajatang, this is, all sums it up very clearly. What, you know, Dhamma, taking refuge in Dhamma. Pretty simple, actually. Timeless. Thinking is all about time, isn't it? The past, the future, doing something now for the future result, about death in the future, change, time. And so condition, phenomena, is all about time. It all has a beginning and an ending. So thoughts are about time, memories are about time, hopes and fears and greed and hatred, delusion, jealousy, Worry, anxiety, the whole range of emotional experience is all time bound. It's all about time. It's not akalika dhamma. It is what it is, but it is conditions changing. And that which is aware of changing is not time. What is it then? Santidikodama apparent here now. Consciousness now awake and aware, discerning. So these words, you know, panya, discerning, awakened consciousness here and now. And so, just through this continuous reminding of this, because we forget and we get caught up in all the the problems of life and urgencies, crises, uh, and that inevitably part of conditioned phenomena. So that's why these. These uh, conventions that we have are really very skillful if used properly. You know, like this, just this reflection on Dhamma. Santidiko, Akaliko, Eipasiko. You know, this is, 
this is really not you know not just a being able to recite it, but actually reflecting, investigating it, you know, in terms of life as you have to live it and experience it. So, you know, this is continuous reminding. This is, say, in my own practice over these many years, it's a relentless investigation till it, till actually the, you know, the, what they call it, say, the penny drops or it clicks suddenly. You know this. You know, it's no longer, you know, just practice and trying to, you know, just a sense of feeling you should practice and do something. It actually begins to, the, the reality, of Dhamma is apparent here and now. It's timeless. It's like this. It's real. It's reality. It's no longer me trying to practice. <clears throat> and this is Bhajatang. This you have, you know, you can't, you know, that is known individually. It's reality that you know that there's knowing, not uh, from uh, thinking that you've attained anything, but from knowing the simple, the simplicity of all conditions are impermanent, all dhamma is not self. So, anyway, this is uh, to encourage you, to remind you. Uh, years ago, I remember reading something in the book about it's like a rat chewing through a thick wall. You just keep gnawing till you get through. <laughs> a rat will never get through if it just says, oh, I'm tired of can't get through, it's too thick. You know, it's just, <laughs> if you can be a rat in this case, you know, just keep going until you get through. And it's not about deluding yourself, becoming a sotapanna or anything like this. You know, there's so many that delude themselves in this life. Either through thinking they can't get anywhere, they don't have good enough karma, or they're They've been practicing without any real great insight. That's another delusion. Then there's those that think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm great at meditation. I'm a master and I know it all. It's another one. It's not about becoming a master or knowing everything. You don't know anything in the end of the day. You know, I knew much more 40 years ago. So it's letting go of this desire to know, not trying to, you know, make yourself ignorant and stupid. It's 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 uh, an awakened learning to trust in awakened attention here and now, and, and really value it. See that it, this is our great, this is the jewel. This is the the lotus. This is the the thing that we respect and adore is this awakened consciousness that we can recognize within the individual li limits of our karma, bodies, and planet Earth, and so forth. We're not just helpless victims of fate like it might seem on an individual level. But as human human individuals, we have this opportunity, and then, and then this this excellent teaching of the Buddha to use uh, to uh, as a skillful means to break through to get through the heavy delusions of conditioned sensitive realm that we're experiencing. 
so i offer this for your reflection.